say good morning to everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? I hope you're doing well and uh, ready for a new day. Uh, We've been off, I've been off uh, the air for a few days now. Uh, Wendy had her surgery on Tuesday and we had to be uh, down in Portland uh, quite, quite early on uh, Tuesday morning and uh, that was the bulk of the day and trying to get her settled. And then I opted to be off yesterday because we were up so early on Monday night into Tuesday uh, and just trying to get her settled a little bit here at home as she recovers from her surgery. So thank you for your prayers for her, uh, your patience uh, in uh, waiting for this broadcast, and uh, here we are. So again, thanks for your prayers, uh, and uh, we're back at it. We're in the book of Luke, chapter 12 today, and we're going to finish Luke, chapter 12, uh, or however that 
however long that takes us to do here this morning. So Luke chapter 12, and we're picking up at verse 29. Jesus says some very interesting things that um, uh, that are true, and in some places the world much more than here, and it's not that it's untrue here in America, but sometimes the ramifications of what we're about to read uh, are much greater in other places of the world. And uh, we've had uh, Zara with us uh, uh, in the mornings here, and that that place, and I've shared with some of you some of the uh, where where that country is rated uh, in on the watch list, and uh, you know it's like number seven or eight, uh, and that isn't best. That that's one of the harsher countries uh, of uh, experiencing persecution, and so the things that we're going to be looking at in this first. Um, five verses here this morning uh, certainly will will speak into uh, to their world uh, maybe a whole lot more than ours, and that's not to say that some of you haven't experienced some of what we're going to read about here. Jesus says, "I've I've not I've come to bring fire on the earth." Now, there's different. Uh, aspects of fire, different interpretations for uh, what he might mean here. In fact, let me finish the verses and how I wish it were already kindled. Now, I think the fact that the kindling he's speaking of here is a, a fire of passion for God. That's the, that's the fire he would want. He would want us to have a passionate fire burning within our souls for God. That we would love God, that we love Lord our God with our heart, with our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. So to bring fire is that type of a fire. Now another aspect of fire would be the fire of judgment, uh, and we will we will see that later on uh, in this book. That is another aspect that you know how I wish you already kindled the fire of judgment. I, I don't think that that is what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the the fire of passion for God. That is what I believe he is speaking about when he's speaking about I've come to bring a fire uh, on the earth. You know, and, and all of us can evaluate what is our spiritual temperature? Uh, what is the level of fire uh, burning in our soul for God? I mean, is it like, well, I don't really have any? Or... Uh, well, I'm maybe a one or a two, or I'm a I'm a blazing, raging fire for God. You know, a blazing, raging fire for God leads you to do things like host, um, do everything you can for 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 the mission of God. That, that's when you have a burning, uh, blazing passion for God. Most often, you might say, "Look, I'm not a teacher." Okay, that's fine. Uh, a blazing, burning passion, fire for God will lead you to have a house church maybe in your home or a, a small group study in your home. That might be something that reflects a fire. Uh, a burning fire in your soul would be the type of thing that um, would be reflected when it's time for prayer uh, in the body, in the church, that, that you're the one that you know is has your eyes closed and your lips moving because you're speaking to God or you're bowing down before God or or, or you are raising your hands before God, or 
when someone else is praying, you're you're the one going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, because you're in agreement with that prayer. And uh, um, just markers of fire, markers of fire. Do we do we make time for the scriptures? Uh, markers of fire. Uh, do we make time for worship? Markers of fire. Uh, it, the fire of our soul for God. I mean, they're just different things that are kind of indicators that, yes, we're not just tempted Christians. We're not just Christians who are, uh, we're Christians, yeah, but we're we're not really that on fire. Some people say, don't be so fanatical. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to be, honestly. And we do. We, we, we do live less fanatically uh, oftentimes. We tone it back quite a bit. Um, but to be in a place where the fire is burning in our soul, and I believe that's what Jesus is talking about here in this verse, I've come to bring a fire on the earth, how I wish it were already kindled. Then he goes into what must transpire first, but I have a baptism to undergo how distressed I am until it is completed. Now, it's, it's not a baptism of water. It's a baptism of crucifixion. That is what he is speaking of here when he speaks about this baptism. I have a baptism to undergo. How distressed I am until it's completed. A weighty, weighty thing. He knew what was coming at him, and uh, he, he was ready for what was coming at him, even though he knew how challenging and how how difficult that may be to do. And he said, how distressed I am until that happens. The distress, the weight, that knowing that the cross is coming, knowing the crucifixion is coming, knowing that he will uh, be tortured, beaten, bloodied, bludgeoned, uh, a crown of thorns, the nails, the spear in the side, uh, the preaching to the spirits in prison, all of that. He's he's looking to the completion of that, and, and he feels the weight, and he's expressing to his disciples that he, he has this weight upon him. Then he goes into this next section, which I want to, uh, yeah, uh, Nell, Nell has this another another aspect of fire. Yeah, this is this is fire. Putting your arms around a hurting person and praying with them right in the middle of the supermarket. Yeah, that's fire. That is fire. You don't care what people think. You know, uh, you just don't. You just do it, and uh, that's fire. Uh, or you, you sense the Lord telling you to give a gift to, to someone, and you do it. That's fire. Um, or like I said already, uh, opening your home for a study, that's fire, uh, saying, okay, I've heard about discovery Bible studies, or I've heard about the alpha course, or I've heard about, you know, the person of peace and opening your home for an evangelistic Bible study. I want to learn how to do it. That's fire. Um, we could, it'd be great. We, we have a great list going on here. Feel free to add other things that come to your mind in the comments of fire. What is fire uh, when someone is on fire for the Lord? Um, what does that look like? Now, I, I do think it looks different for some for different people. Uh, I, I've had friends. I have one particular friend who's passed on now that was very not super expressive 
but he had a fire. He had a quiet fire. Uh, helped many people very quietly, uh, both in tangible ways and financial ways. Prayed for people as they needed it. Uh, uh, um, served the Lord in, in a variety of different ways. Served the community in a variety of different ways, but went about it very quietly. Uh, and, and maybe not so expressively. Uh, but he had fire. Your fire might not look the same. Uh, I mean, there there's blue, white, Fire, if you know what I'm talking about, like you'd see on a, like a, a gas stove. Uh, then there is the yellow fire of, of things coming off of like uh, wood that's burning, different types of fire. But to think about what does fire, a, a person that's passionate for Christ, what does that look like uh, in their life? Now, I'm going to get back over into the the section here that continues on. Uh, and he talks about the baptism he has to undergo. Then he says this very, very interesting thing. We all think, well, and some people teach, some people even preach that when you have Jesus, everything in your life's going to be better. Uh, no, it's, it's better because you have Jesus with you, uh, and a God to strengthen you and promises of God's word to stand upon. But in some ways, life gets harder, uh, because now we're aware of sin and need to confess it. Uh, we're, it gets harder because uh, God puts a standard on us now that we're aware of and, and need to seek to, to live it out. Um, so in some ways, God uses difficulty, challenge, illness to refine us and make us more like Christ. But then he also says this, and this is a part of what I'm talking about. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Um uh, being a follower of Christ can, can lead to division. What does he mean? Well, he describes it for us here in verse 52. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law Against mother-in-law, what is he talking about? What he's talking about is when you begin to follow Christ, your family might turn against you. Uh, and we do experience some of that. When, when I began following Christ, I experienced some of that, especially with my older, older brother, who is now passed on and gave his life to Christ uh, within the month of his passing. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, but... For many years, uh, he was spoke so diminutively, so disparagingly uh, about my faith and, and ridiculed my faith and mocked my faith, especially in the, early on in my faith. Uh, the longer I went, the less and less and less he was able to mock it because he saw how real it was through the decades. My parents were against me and my faith, especially my father. Uh, he was against. In fact, uh, as a teenager, I was threatened to be kicked out of the house. If you st don't stop reading that Bible so much and, and going over to the Alwas house, that was the name, last name of my friends who really discipled me. Uh, if you don't stop playing that Christian music in the barn all the time, you know, we're going to kick you out. And I remember vividly uh, that conversation. I remember my response. I got on the tractor and went out to the field and 
was plowing down at, uh, on, on the neighbor's property where we were farming his land as well. And uh, I just remembered saying, Lord, I love you, and I thank you, and I know I'll be taken care of. If, if Dad decides to really follow through on this, then so be it, because you, my Heavenly Father, are my Father. I mean, I, I did experience that as a teenager. Uh, some of you would experience, if you're a woman, you might experience husbands that, that kind of sour against you because of your faith. Um, but children and parents, friends, you know, I, I lost friends because I became a follower of Jesus. And this, this is what it means. I did not come to bring peace, but division. People will not like it when you begin to follow Jesus. Now, again, it isn't as bad here as it is in other places like uh, the country where our one friend is from that we have had uh, participate with us last week. Uh, and on Monday as well, I think, um, the division there is, is much greater. Uh, it, it, it's much more cultural. It's, it's much more pervasive. It, it's much more, uh, it inflicts much more severity. Uh, you know, the types of jobs you can and cannot get as a result of following Christ. Uh, the income that you, you might be kept back from because you follow Christ. Uh, the places you may be forced to live because you follow Christ. Uh, a family who might regard you as dead because you follow Christ. In fact, some places in, in the world you begin following Christ. What do they do? You might be killed because you've chosen to follow Christ. Following Christ doesn't necessarily mean everybody's going to be hunky-dory with it. Following Christ, in, in many instances, means that we will suffer as a result of following Christ. We'll be ridiculed, we'll be mocked, we'll be left out, we'll be excluded, uh, all those things can happen. You won't be invited to family functions or friends functions or, or any of those things because you follow Christ. But we have to decide. What do we want? Do we want, do we want this world's limited relationship, limited to 60, 70, 80, 90 years, 100 if, if you're really, really fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, uh, or we want the fire of Jesus in our soul. We have to decide, and we want the fire of Jesus in our soul, and we want it to be evident. But we do pray for those, and we should pray for those who are in places like uh, uh, friends in other countries where the division is so much greater and the persecution is so much more severe. And remember to pray for them and Lord, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in places around the world who have, uh, who live in, in, in persecution, severe persecution. Father, would, would they be encouraged? Would you keep the fire going in their soul, their fire for Jesus? Uh, would you keep them committed to you against all the odds and against all the persecution? Father, would you use their lives to spread the gospel, even as you're using our friend's life to, to have dozens of people come to her home uh, to hear whatever little bit they have. And, and Lord, we pray 
they and I say a little bit because they don't have Bibles uh, there. So, Lord, I pray that you would do increasingly incredible works in their midst where they would see thousands, if not millions of people come to faith in Christ. We, we lift those brothers and sisters to you in the name of Jesus. We lift ourselves to you as well, Lord. We have no reason to not be on fire. We don't face persecution like they do. Uh, we, we face more problems with our own flesh and our own desires. So, Lord, help us all to overcome and to live with holy fire burning in our soul. All for your glory, Lord, we pray. Well, let's continue in the text. The other, another aspect of what Jesus says, these are kind of like three short sections here. He speaks about interpreting the time. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, to me, you say it's going to rain, and it does. I mean, do we not do that? What's the old, the old saying? Red at night, sailors delight. Red in the morning, sailor take warning. I mean, we live on the coast here. So, I mean, sailors uh, and some of us maybe have family that are involved in in that industry one way or the other. Uh, some of us have been farmers uh, in our background and, and being farmers, you know, we, we kind of, farmers are very, very interested in the weather. Uh should I mow hay? What's it going to be like? Do we have three or four good days of, of good weather where we have lower humidity and good sun so the hay will dry so I can get it prepared so it will something I can store in the barn? Uh, or should I go out and plow? Or is there rain coming and I need to get the field planted? Or all those types of things. <clears throat> Contractors may be considering what's the weather going to be, looking at the weather. I mean, we're able to dis- determine the, the times, uh, the weather. We're interested in the weather, interested in knowing these things, but are we interested in the times of God, uh, the prophetic things? And, and now what Jesus is talking about, particularly in this section, is the Jewish people should have had a handle on the approximate time. I, If I remember correctly, it's 486 years from the time of the prophesi- prophecy of Daniel and they should have been able to do the math until the death of Messiah uh, or until the time of Messiah. Let's limit it to that much because they wouldn't think Messiah was going to die, but at least to the time of Messiah. And their own prophets in the book of Daniel foretold and gave them a timeline. And if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, 486 years from the time of Daniel until the time of the Messiah. But they didn't see it. Uh, they weren't thinking about what Daniel said. They weren't doing the math. Uh, so while they're able to look at the weather and, and, and know uh, what the clouds are going to do, they weren't able to look at the scriptures uh, that had been given to them uh, and determine the times. He goes on in the passage and he says this, he says, uh, and when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. And he says, hypocrites or hypocrites is the right way of saying that, but it, I sure like to say hypocrites, it sounds cool. Uh, or not cool, maybe, uh, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? And, and the, what I just described to you about Daniel's prophecy is, is what he's talking about here. You should know the things that, I, that that God has had foretold in the Old Testament, yet you don't know these things, and, and yet you are scholars, and yet you are 
You are lawyers, yet you are scribes. You are Pharisees. You are religious leaders. You're priests. You should know these things. But what happened was they got so caught up in morality that they missed the larger message of God. And, and that's something that can happen in churches today. We get so caught up in, in morality and you have to do this and look that way and dress a certain way and, and not listen to certain music or certain worship bands or blah, 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 blah. That's a Steveism. Shout out of love to Steve and Priscilla as they're, uh, probably somewhere in the Indian Ocean right now. Um, pray for them, uh, that the Lord would use them on this journey to impact some people for Christ. Uh, Now I forgot what I was saying, uh, but I think you get the point. The appearance of the earth in the sky, able to interpret the times, and, and, and for us to understand the prophecies, to be interested. In the, I, I talk to people who are not interested. I know it's talking about moralism. That's what I was talking about, moralism. And, and we get all wrapped up in, in all these little rules and laws and side things that we miss the, the greater message we we miss the greater mission that we're on of bringing jesus to people you know some people think the job of the christian and it, it's not as bad as it used to be but i still in my role now uh a very busy role i i experience pockets of people who are are bound into legalism and the morality uh so much so that they miss the mission of God. What's the bigger mission? The mission of angels, the mission of helping people learn to follow Jesus and to walk as Jesus walked is the mission. Not uh, make them dress the way that we want them to dress and, and uh, make them only listen to the types of music that we think are appropriate and, and things of that nature, which we see in our which we've seen in churches and people miss Jesus there. And maybe many of you have seen that as well, where, you know, they're, they're so bound up in, in making sure they look right, that they miss rich relationship with Jesus. Another aspect of things that I, I draw from this section is just the idea of you don't know how to interpret this present time. Uh, there are Christians who are like, we shouldn't be worrying about understanding prophecy. Uh, because what's it matter? You know, the Lord's going to come, doesn't matter. Well, Jesus speaks about it right here. He's speaking to the Pharisees about it. Uh, he speaks about watch and be ready. He, he gives an, a number of prophecies himself. Uh, and the Apostle John, book Revelation, gives us prophecy that we need to know. Uh, Paul, Peter, not so much prophecy. James, I have to go back and look at the book of James to see if there's even any in the book of James. But certainly the Apostle Paul gives some uh, in First First and Second Thessalonians, First uh, Corinthians 15, uh, the, the Apostle John, book of Revelation, uh, and Jesus, the many things that he said. We need to know how to interpret the times. Now, I don't know for America where things are going to go. I have no clue. Uh, you know, thing, things could be so, we don't know. Uh, well, things continue to get worse. We're certainly a divided nation, and the house, a, a nation divided against itself, will not stand. Uh, will will things get worse? Will America fall apart? Will America uh, collapse? I don't know. 
I have always been of the opinion, though, that the Lord will set the, the stage on the world's table for what needs to happen prior to the tribulation. So things have to go that direction. Will cryptocurrency or Bitcoin take over the dollar? I mean, that is that is a real conversation going on right now in some circles. It may. Will will the uh, will the dollar be disposed as the dominant uh, uh, financial uh, metric uh, in the world by uh, by what is it? Uh, Britain, I don't remember what, what, what it is. It's not Brexit. It sounds like Brexit. I think I was trying to think of the same Brexit. No, uh, but uh, Brazil and there, there's a handful of countries that are creating their own currency right now that many think or some think at least will overcome the dollar. Uh, we need to be wise to these things. We need to have our eyes open to these things and to understand and be able to interpret the times. Now, let me finish this last section. I guess I'm going to go a little bit longer this morning, but but not extremely so. He says in, in verses 27 through 59, why don't you judge for yourselves what's right? As you're, as you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to him on the way. Or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer. The officer throw you in prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last Penny, um, the operative sentence or phrase in, in this section is this, try hard to be reconciled. If you were to go to the, the parallel passage over in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, don't even bring your gift to the altar. Don't come to worship me and have uh, aught between yourself and a brother. Work it out. Work diligently. To, to, to settle your matters with people, work diligently to be reconciled to people. This is this is what the Lord is saying. Work hard at reconciliation. Something we're to take to heart, something we're not just to minimize. The Lord does place a premium in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, especially in here in Luke chapter 12, a premium on right relationships with other people as far as depends on us. Uh, so much of the New Testament letters are written about relationships. The Lord places a premium on our relationships, so we seek to live in right relationships. Well, there were three three themes today. Divisions and the divisions that will come as a result of choosing to follow Christ. Seasons, knowing how to interpret the seasons and the times. And settlements that we would settle up with people, that we would try to make things right with people as much as we can. In the midst of all this, that we would learn to be people who are on fire for Jesus, serving Jesus. Doing as Walter says here uh, in, in his comments, we have to live an intentional life as Jesus did. Absolutely. Intentionally living with a goal of God's purpose being fulfilled in our life. Couldn't say it better. That's exactly it. Lord, make this so in our lives. For those that uh, live in places of harsh persecution, would you strengthen them and encourage them in the inner man? 
Lord, would you use their passion and their focus upon you to cause others to become followers of Jesus as well. Lord, help us to settle matters quickly when we have division with people. Help us to know the seasons and the times. Help us, Lord, to, as Walter says, fulfill your purpose in our life. Lord, hear our prayer. You would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tomorrow, friends.